Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from the Putney Exchange, Costa Coffee in the Putney Exchange, Putney, by myself, Catherine Whittaker, and our Singapore and Solly Hull correspondent, returned from both those climbs, David Law. Yeah, uh, um, I'm still a little bit perturbed that you've name-checked this coffee shop. Uh, who are? No, I live in I, I live in I live in David Law-esque naive hope of free coffee. Yeah, well, we're sitting here with four cups in front of us. Every one paid for by our Kickstarter backers. Thank, thank you to Everyone you all. Every one clad in pictures of Santa Claus, which I find a little bit premature on November the 6th. I but, think it's you know, magnificent and it? I feel like bursting into song. <laughs> he looks like he's about to burst into song. Someone take that microphone away from him. David, you've been back from Singapore about six days. So you're about four, about, you know, one week out of six into your jet lag recovery schedule. How's it going? Yeah, not particularly well, I have to say. Um, yeah, let's leave it there. But I've, more I'm not of those, the, more I'm, of those chewy sweets I'm for not David, the best please. company in the world at the moment. But anyway, tennis to talk about. Lots of it and uh, not all of it very nice. And not all of it very nice, no. So we had an agenda prepared as of last night. It led with uh, the astonishing Jack Sock muscling his way uh, into the uh, European stranglehold on major and masters titles that there's been over the last eight years or something uh, and winning the title in Paris. We were going to lead with that. We were going to talk about uh, Nadal's injury and withdrawal. We were going to talk about Zoo High uh, and Andy Murray Live. And then, David, then I, I'm tucked up in bed last Last night, about eleven o'clock, getting getting an early night in. There's in, magic there. In anticipation, magic the of, cat. Uh, podcast recording the next day. No, magic, magic doesn't. Come. Magic and I are not on speaking terms. Um, uh, and uh, I thought, I thought I'd just check Twitter, David. I'll see what I'll see what's going down. Uh, which is obviously a fatal mistake to make. And I saw that there was uh, a bit of a hubbub developing in Milan, where the draw ceremony was taking place for the hashtag NextGen. ATP finals. Um, now, if you haven't seen 
video or photos or heard about this i mean don't look at videos or photos because uh, what transpired was um, unless you like being appalled horrifying and to be to be honest in the modern world lots of people do like being appalled but um just just don't um i'm 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 going to try and read you um a neutral account of what transpired in that draw ceremony and because i'm sort of unable to form neutral words about it myself because i'm so incensed uh i have uh, resorted to what the bbc sport websites have put together uh, because you can always rely on the bbc for neutrality Sort of. Yes. Yes, you can. More so than anyone else, probably. Anyway, uh, so uh, a tennis player was asked to pull off a female model's glove with his teeth. Um, Female models uh, decided groupings uh, by revealing letters hidden under their clothing. So you had all eight, or I think actually only seven of the eight, or eight, all eight of the... um, next-gen finals players and this was to decide which group a or b uh, they were drawn into denis shapovalov discovered he was in group a when his chosen model pulled up a lace dress to reveal the letter a on her right thigh that good neutrality in my voice there david you're doing a good job <laughs> south korea's young chung was asked to pull off a model's glove with his teeth uh and uh i think i think you you get the vibe of what's happening here if you're thinking to yourself if you haven't seen any footage of this and you're thinking to itself yourself it can't possibly be as bad um as what i'm describing because it's 2017 and who would do that you are wrong because it was every bit as bad as I'm describing. And by all accounts uh, from people that were there, it was significantly more horrifying in, in person. And to be honest, that's the only positive I can take from the whole thing is just how united everybody watching and everybody that's subsequently seen it is in their horror and revulsion at it. That is a positive thing because I honestly think you could probably go back as recently as five years and there wouldn't be the same unity of of reaction to it so i do genuinely take that as a positive um however (laughs) that is the only positive in a truly ghastly situation and i i could go into uh i could let my righteous anger throw flow through my mouth but in fact what i'm going to do is read out to you the response uh, of one of our Tennis Podcast listeners because she tweeted me with a letter that she composed uh, to send directly to the ATP via their website. It's Vicky Spreadbury, and I just think this is all brilliantly put and I can't put it better myself, so I'll just read out what she has had to say. She says, I would like to express my disappointment with the manner in which the ATP Next Gen Tour final or draw was conducted and the way it promoted the objectification of women. The use of models was at best unnecessary and at worst an unpleasant example of the way women are used in a purely ornamental fashion in the sporting world. Of all sports, tennis should be most aware of the skills and strength of women. Some of the greatest sportsmen in history are and have been tennis players. And the ATP, the ATP and WTA can rightly congratulate themselves on the strides that tennis has made in terms of equality and the examples that at times it has set for other sports. Yet events like this are a grim reminder of how far we still have to go. To use women for solely decorative purposes was bad enough, but to ask these young men, and they really are young men, uh, to make a choice between them as if selecting them at a cattle market was not just disappointing but disgusting. What made this worse was that it happened at an event intended to showcase the future of tennis. Older players, men and women have worked hard to redress some of the lingering inequalities in the sport and to tackle the kind of sexist attitudes that we saw on display in Fabio Fanini's foul mouth tirade against a female umpire and Elena Stasi's offensive play- behaviour 
towards the GB Fed Cup team and a British journalist. However harshly the ATP deals with those kinds of incidents, it means nothing if it permits permits events like the next-gen draw to go ahead in this misogynistic and outdated way. This is not the future of tennis that we want. It is not the future for tennis that anyone, fan, player, coach, official or ATP or WTA member should be prepared to expect. I'm not sure whether the decision to stage the draw in this way can be laid at the feet of the ATP itself or the Italian Federation, and we will, of course, come on to that in a second. In either case, the ATP needs to take action, either to consider its own behaviour and take steps to do better, or to issue strict guidelines to individual federations about what is and is not an acceptable way to carry out an event. One of my three young daughters is a keen tennis player. When you allow this kind of objectification to take place so openly you send a clear message to children like her that message is that men play tennis while women stand about in evening dresses looking pretty it's damaging it's offensive it's unacceptable and in the current climate of sexual harassment accusations levied at powerful men it's spectacularly tone deaf i would like to see a public statement from the atp addressing the issue and making a promise that we will not see anything like it again now we have seen a statement from the atp it's been released just in the last half an hour or so uh, yep. as we're recording this and it reads thus David it reads thus from both the ATP and from Red Bull the company that are sponsoring the next gen ATP finals and this is what it says ATP and Red Bull apologize for the offense caused by the draw ceremony for the next gen ATP finals the intention was to integrate Milan's rich heritage as one of the fashion capitals of the world however Our execution of the proceedings was in poor taste and unacceptable. We deeply regret this and will ensure that there is no repeat of anything like it in the future. So, um, it is a promise or a pledge that we won't see anything like it again, which I think is really positive. I personally um, feel revulsion at the phrase, which seems to be sort of just standard apology, public apology parlance now of we apologise for the offence caused. That is apologising for the consequences of an action and not for the action itself. They are certainly not alone in using that turn of phrase but for me it really, really strikes the wrong note. That particular turn of phrase. However, they do seem to realise the gravity of, of the error, which I think is good and they're certainly seem uh, pretty uh, genuine and hardline in their pledge to make sure this doesn't happen again. Yes, and I think from the people I've spoken to, and I've spoken to some people that were there who are close to the event, who were able to give me a little bit of background as to as to how this came to be, this ceremony, it seems that the the reaction and the ultimate revulsion and was immediate on behalf of quite a few people there. I don't think it was sort of just reactionary to the reaction on social media, although I would imagine partly. So certainly the the extremity of uh, the, the statement and the immediacy of it, I think probably is a result of, of, of how many people have said this is just not on. Um, from my understanding is... And I think it's important to say this, the Italian Federation were not responsible for that particular ceremony. They've made that pretty clear, haven't yeah, they? <laughs> they were very quick to, to say that, and yeah. that has been backed up by people close to the event that I've spoken to. My understanding is that Red Bull staged this particular ceremony. Um, they are new to tennis, and uh, 
obviously they're investing a lot of money etc and are very warmly welcome to the sport on a number of levels as a result of that that having been said this is just a spectacular misjudgment on on a number of levels both i don't quite know where they're coming from in their uh, aim to integrate milan's rich heritage as one of the fashion capitals of the world if that's your idea of how to do it then i, d- I just don't get it i think you've you've got it horribly wrong and i think the other question being asked by vicky and by a lot of people out there is how can the atp have allowed this to go go ahead how can how can somebody not have said no you can't do this this is not on this is not what we should be doing well my understanding is that they had very little sight of that in advance and were probably as shocked as everybody else now that in itself is a problem because it is the next gen atp finals therefore they will they know they will know that they they need to have better vetting procedures in place if they don't stage this thing independently themselves without anybody else's input at all then they need to have a strong say in exactly what it does because ultimately it's under their name and and this is the consequence of it so the hope is that lessons have been learned from it and from the sound of that statement i think the full realization of of why this is not on is 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 there but it's, yeah, it's, it's a concern it's at least being treated with the gravity it deserves it's not being sort of shrugged off as a, a minor misstep or a, a minor misjudgment which we've seen it, at which times we, we have all, all too often not necessarily so I, by them so but with per, certainly perhaps others perhaps that's another minor positive <laughs> to be taken yeah. Um, yeah what I would say the, the, the only reaction I've seen to it which has perturbed me a little is people sort of suggesting that it was um, the way it was done that was most problematic you know it was trashy if, if it had just if the concept had been executed in a more classy way i.e. if sort of the women were wearing slightly less revealing clothes um, but still there in a purely ornamental and decorative sense that would have been more okay it wouldn't have been uh, there would probably have been less outrage about it um, and I, I would be <laughs> probably shouting more at a, a, a brick wall but um yeah, I, for me that misses the point, and the point is that it's just wrong and completely inappropriate and completely misjudged. And um, yeah, it's 2017. It's just not okay. Do better. Do better. Um, Incidentally, it was a draw. <laughs> Should I tell you? Oh yeah, who's in the draw? Who's in the draw? Uh, Gianluca Quinzi, <laughs> who is the Italian uh, playoff winner, is in Group A alongside Hyung Chung of. Uh, peeling off glove with teeth fame uh, Denis Shapovalov of uh, revealing the letter A under women's dress fame and uh, Andrei Rublev of US Open quarterfinal fame and uh, Group B features Karen Khachanov uh, Borna Choric, Gerald Donaldson whose who's poor face <laughs> during that draw ceremony uh, was was deeply uncomfortable. It, it was because, incidentally, I, I, I well, little plug for another podcast here, but uh, John Wertheim's Sports Illustrated tennis podcast. He did a forty-minute interview with Gerald Donaldson uh, just over a week ago. Very, just an interesting chat. I mean, this guy is basically just focused on tennis and little else. It, it would appear to me. He seems like, a, and I, I've met him at Queens. He seems Ernest. like a, a lovely guy. Word, isn't uh, it? Yeah, he Sweet. is. You know, uh, he wouldn't upset anybody. A, about anything he just keeps himself to himself and I can just imagine 
how mortified he would have been at this whole process. Well, good. That's the appropriate reaction. Well done, Jared. We assume that you've responded appropriately to the horror that was all of that. Anyway, and uh, Andrei Medvedev makes up... No, wrong Medvedev. Yeah, you're I've talking gone about back to 1993. Yeah, Andrei which is, Medvedev. you know, probably where, where that ceremony belongs. No, 1923. Um, uh, this is Daniil. Yes, no relation, I don't think. <laughs> no relation. We've been through this before, Andrei Medvedev we? is a good player. He was. We never talk about him, do we? Oh, he's uh, so a tennis good. Podcast, he was fun as Andrei well. Andre Medvedev special coming to you. He was a good laugh at an appointed time. And now we will talk more about the next gen finals because um, there's all of the rule changes that they're trialling. And David, uh, debate starter David, has um, been having various kicking off discussion on Twitter. Can we talk about that now? Do you want to do that now? Just, just quickly. Poor Jack Sock is being shoved well, down do, the running Jack order. Jack will understand. He's he's already at the O2. All right, let's he's do it now. Happy. Shall I read out what the rule changes are? Just because I know we've done it before, but there are so blooming many of them, David. Well, it, that, I think that's what created the debate. I got more than 140 replies to just listing and what the And people are just realising how how many things are being thrown at the wall. Yeah. So no line judges. Hawkeye for all calls. Best of five sets, but four games in each set. Tie break at three all. Sudden death juice points, so no ads no service let so he play continues as it would if there were a midpoint let each match starts five minutes from entry of second player onto court uh, visible shot clock is in place to ensure 25 second rule between matches a bit between points 25 seconds between matches crikey uh, between points is enforced uh, maximum of one medical timeout per player per match end of set coaching via headsets to coaches fans can move around during a match brackets except at baselines so, should we just go through them very quickly and give our brief, brief thoughts? Go on. Okay, number one, no line judges. David I, Law. I, I slightly lament the passing of line judges, if that's the way we're going, because I'm just, I just love the human interaction. I mean, that's, I still think back to our show. If you want to go and have a look at the archives of the Tennis Podcast, the one we had Andy Roddick as a special guest, who was one of the, the biggest proponents of Hawkeye technology being brought into the sport. He felt it's time, you know, we can't have massive titles being decided on somebody's dodgy eyesight. You know, we need to have line call, line technology to, to call the lines. And he said in retirement to us, Catherine, he said, I think Hawkeye has done everything that we've asked it to do. It works wonderfully, and I think we should get rid of it. And the reason he thought we should get rid of it is because you don't get any rows on the court anymore. You don't I mean, get, well, you do. No, but you wouldn't have John McEnroe in the way that we remember him if you had line call I don't know. Tell that technology. to Fabio Fanini. I suppose that's true. Um, uh, what do I, just I, think don't, I just it? don't think you're solving a problem. That's my view. Like, I mean... But, uh, can't get that worked i mean yeah i agree with you i, th- I think getting rid of sort of all humanity um your from brother the officiating your wonderful process. brother matthew uh, did point out uh, in response to this debate he was having a chat with stephen Gregg, another one of our listeners and uh, who said that i'd argue hawkeye for all points solves the problem of incorrect line calls and your brother matthew said it would have avoided the moment of victory being slightly blunted in the Australian Open for Federer and Wimbledon for Muguruza this year when the the winning shot was appealed to Hawkeye. It's true. That is always a shame. It is, it, yeah. But then we're just getting into a debate about whether Hawkeye's a good thing, aren't we? Which is not what we're debating here. We're debating whether Hawkeye should be... I'm glad they're trying it out. All-encompassing. I pretty yeah. much come down on the side of the fence of I'm glad they're trying them all out. 
Yeah. I'm just not sure whether they should all be tried yeah. out all at the same time. Best of five sets, four games in each set, tie break at three all. Can't say I like it. I can't say I like it. I don't I, I feel uncomfortable. I'm just so used to it being six games. Now that may be my problem, I may get used to it. But again, this has been mooted for a long time and fast fours and all the rest of it. You might as well try it out. Yeah, give it a go. I, I'm not a fan. I, I think the tennis scoring system is so perfect. It's so yeah. perfectly calibrated. I am really uh, r- reticent about any proposals to change the scoring system. Which brings us on to Sudden Death Juice, David, which I'm not a fan of. No, I'm not either. And also, I don't think a lot of the doubles players who use it on the ATP circuit particularly like it. I've spoken to one or two. Yeah, they don't. No. Um, and... The advantage rule is another one of those it's a beauty. sort of a work of art. You know, you sometimes get a, an eight juice game, which is a match in itself, and you you look back and you it f- happened several times in Singapore, didn't it? Yeah, in a couple oh, of matches. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's just it's just ever increasing pressure and drama within a game. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I think it, 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 it. Yeah, no, no to that one for me. But yeah, by all means, give it a go. Um, no service lets. For me, I, I I don't feel that strongly about it because I don't think it has that big an impact on anything. But I do think it's an oddity, the service I let. Think that they're I think right it's a bizarre to, to, oddity. to get rid of service lets, personally, because, yeah, I, I just feel like crack on. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think... Yeah, that, John know, McEnroe addresses it in his first autobiography. Yes. First of how many, we don't know. He's, on, he's that, on two at the moment. Before that, he addressed it in the uh, in the podcast I used to do about ten years ago Did when he? I got him to be well, Commissioner McEnroe. Before th- Eurosport <laughs> stole the idea. <laughs> Borrowed it. Um, Thought of the same thing. He said, uh, he said you know, it's, it's like you're going, oh, you fit the net, have another go. Yeah, it just I, seems like a really... Sort of they also shouldn't be allowed, as he said at the time, to abort their service tosses. If you catch the ball and don't finish your serve, you lose the point, mate. Sorry. Yeah, it wouldn't have been great for that Pat Raft or those sorry mates that we'd have lost. Um, each match starts five minutes from entry of second player on to court. I mean, yeah, I would make that one minute, frankly. Yes, I would agree with you. Or if not less. <laughs> yeah, you know, how long does a coin toss take? Stu Fraser, one of our colleagues from The Times, did point out that he feels that the the knock-up is a way for the crowd to just get comfortable and, and, and sort of build up just to the match. get gen- there 10 generally. minutes earlier, crowd. I, I feel you that you, you have all that with the introductions, the players come out, they do all that bag faffing, you know, yeah. there's plenty of it, there's the coin you toss. You get the whole build-up and the, the atmosphere is set and then, and then it just... Get on with the dissipates match, from, is what you we're can saying. feel it just ever away. Anyway, um, a visible shot clock in place to ensure a 25-second rule between points. Yeah, I'm up for that. If you're going to have a rule, enforce it. Uh, for it. A maximum of one medical timeout per player per match. Yeah, like it. Yeah, fine, fine by me. End of set coaching via headsets to coaches. We'll do this briefly because we've oh, done like the on-court that. coaching debate. I, I love it. I just think do proper on-court coaching. Why does it need to be via a weird headset in oh, sort of quite, Star Wars I fashion? I quite like that. I quite like the old headset bit. Uh, uh, but I want to hear everything that's going on. Will it be virtual reality? I want to see subtitles. We've discussed this before. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yes. They're uh, going to be encouraged to do it in English. Which I think is a bit harsh. But is that not? A, that's just handicapping those that don't speak such well, yeah, good English uh, and also, the coaches that don't speak such I, good I English. I just want the subtitle system. Maybe that's not possible. I don't know, but that's what I want. It's certainly, sort possible. Um, fans and the last one is fans can move around during a match. Brackets except at baselines. I mean, well, uh, yeah, mm, we'll see, won't we? 
I don't know how I, I feel didn't, about that I, one. I remember at Turbo Tennis when they did that. I didn't particularly like it, and it felt a bit manufactured, a lot of it. But then I also think at the US Open, I don't mind people wandering about the way they do. I think it's quite funny. But there's something about that stadium that allows that to happen, yet maintain the atmosphere, isn't there? And there yeah. is, and it's the contrast between when a, when a match catch, catches fire, everyone suddenly stops doing that. The murmur stops. The murmur and the, the rustles of people eating their burgers. And actually silence. There's something about silence that can be incredibly dramatic. Think of the silence just before the 100-metre Olympic final. He's getting poetic. Think about Roger Federer just walking up to the line. It's match point. <laughs> right then. Other players have walked up to the line at match point. Okay, all right. Other players are available. Better, I think, has done it more than anyone else. But yeah, should we talk about Jack Sock? Because he did that oh, yeah. yesterday. He did, and successfully. Yeah, we had a little argument about that, didn't we? About he, he did. you know what what, what that oh, says about I, the state of the game. If only we published our, our WhatsApp. We do have a lot of little arguments. <laughs> little spats. Um, um, but I, I mean, I think it's uh, a really impressive achievement. I was reading something. Hey, I didn't say it wasn't a really impressive achievement. No, we're going to what you said. Fair. But he did come it from something really like 24th in the race or something. He came up to get into the top eight on the last match of the season. And, and I mean, what a route to it. If you just wind back, I mean, Juan Martin Del Potro had got himself within a match of doing so, and in fact within just a set of doing so, when he levelled with, with John Isner. If he'd have won that set, he would have been there, wouldn't he? I think that, yeah, that would he have guaranteed done, yeah, his yeah, place. Yeah, he was all on that match. And uh, he ended up losing it to John Isner, who then gave himself a chance <laughs> to do it all. And, and he lost to Filip Krajinovic, who then prompted me to ask... Who is Filip Krajinovic uh, on Twitter? Not that I didn't know who he was. Well, number 77, 25 years of age, Serbian. Hasn't he gone up high? I've seen that, him yeah. play live with my own eyes, David. Have I saw you? him play doubles so with Novak Djokovic, good friend of his, um, in Doha a couple of years ago in the first round. I think they lost. Djokovic was just helping out a mate, I think, because he needed Djokovic's ranking to even get in, get in the doubles. Um, I'd be making things up if I said that it, 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 he imprinted anything in particular on my memory at the time. Good backhand is what I remember. He's had um, a but bad Serbians time do have good backhands. Well, yeah, certainly the ones that we're talking about. Uh, who's that chap, um, Lajevic, who's yeah. got that single hander? Oh, lovely crikey, backhand. What a gorgeous backhand he's Troisky's got. Troisky's got a good backhand. Yeah, 33 in the world is Krajinovic now. 33 in the world. That's that's how much he's jumped, uh, even in the last week or two. So, from what I understand from people who've been telling me all about him on Twitter, he he had he's had some really bad injuries for start. That he was in a, a group of next geners seven or eight years ago that didn't end the up, lost gen. You know, he, he, yeah, I mean, and, and you see this a lot. Um, what was the chap's name in the next gen lineup from Italy? Quit. Quins? Quincy. Quincy. Gianluca Quincy. He, yeah, Gianluca Quincy. Anyway, he was um, a world number one junior in 2013 and was talked about in that group of young players with, I guess, with Kyrgios. I remember looking at him and talking to the Queen's tournament director about him and the other, the other players winning junior Grand Slams at the time. And you're trying to work out who's going to be the one, who's going to come through. Krajinovic, uh, he got lost really. I mean, he was in the top 100 about five years ago. Then he got a horrible injury. He went down to nothing. He's come all the way back. 
And I mean, the scenes when he beat John Isner, let's not forget, he beat, didn't he beat John Isner? 7 6 in the third. 7 5 in the tiebreak as I well. Mean, you know, that takes some doing. It's when, pretty emotional. When yeah. Isner, if he'd have won that match, gives himself a, sh- a shot at the 0 2 if he'd have won the final. So Krajanovic beats him, and then his coach takes his shirt off in the crowd. That was amazing. That was awesome. I'm going to do that when I beat you. No, you're blooming not. <laughs> oh, added incentive to beat David Law. Hooray. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it was it was really emotional moment. 30, so if he has a good run in Brisbane, he could get himself, Brisbane or Doha or somewhere, he could get himself a seeding yeah. with the Aussie Open. Amazing. I mean, but it's anyway, just life-changing for and him, then isn't it? Good old Jack Sock goes a set down against him, 7-5, in the final. And that is a big moment, and, and it really struck me. So I think it wasn't me who came up with this, uh, I have to say, uh, stirred my interest in this, but it reminded me, somebody pointed out that three or four weeks ago, remember Jack Sock being given a pep talk on court that we could all hear by John McEnroe during I, the Labour Cup? I do, I do. And the word, I mean, you know, it was pretty fruity stuff. This was, this was after the watershed stuff from John McEnroe, and it was almost slightly comical the way McEnroe was delivering this this pep talk but when you actually listen to what he's saying you you realize McEnroe really means this he's he has been watching you Jack Sock for five six years in the commentary box on the sidelines he's a he's a passionate American who wants the best for other American players I know he might give you a hard time in commentary etc but frankly Jack you deserve it because you've underachieved to this point is what he's saying to you and how much longer are you going to let this go on how much are you going to let these guys get away with this and put one over on you when you should be beating them don't accept it is what he said to her I feel like you're giving me the pep talk well I tell David you David is just staring me see, down as I feel, he I feel that Jack Sock, speech I feel that Jack Sock is a better player than he's been putting out over the last few years I know you're not convinced that he is as good as I think he is yeah. in terms of talent yeah, I, look, I, I do not want to take anything away from his achievement of winning Paris because there were a lot of people that had... A lot of players had a big opportunity last week and over the last couple of weeks, and they've sort of spectacularly failed to grasp it. You know, Sam Curry and Kevin Anderson were in pole position, really, to qualify um, for London. Pablo Carreño Busta, OK, it's not his preferred portion of the season, so you can perhaps forgive him a little more. Um, but yeah, Query and Anderson, what happened to them? Del Potro, you cannot criticise his effort. I think he, he gave it everything. So I would take him out of the uh, the criticism equation. But And he seized what was only a flicker of an opportunity. And I really give him credit for that. And I do think that could be a sign that this, this will be a slightly different Jack Sock. However, I don't think it's because he's become a significantly better tennis player. I d- I think his qualifying for London, I think he is... I'm trying to think of a, a non-really rude way of putting it. I think he's probably one of the least good London qualifiers we've had in recent memory. I just think it, it doesn't reflect brilliantly. I think Janko Tipsarovic is a more talented tennis player than Jack Sock. Look, I know... Objective measures of how good a tennis player is. Yeah, I know. What is talent? I know, I know. And once we get into that, we are in a quagmire, David. I realise that. Trying to do an objective measure of how good somebody is. You think Pablo Carrera Buster is a better player than him, though, don't you? 
Yeah, I do. He might not be as box office as him. I'm quite sure that the ATP are more pleased with Jack Sock qualifying than Karenia Buster. And that, that's fine. You know, they they want the ratings and the viewership and the spectators and all of that. And entertainment value is, is different to ability. I look at the doubles I, I game d- that Sock has got, though. I mean, I, I think he's too forehand reliant. Um, his backhand is shocking, really, at this level. I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's akin to what Greg Rosetsky's was. Yeah, it is not which, good enough. Which, given the, to... the, the, the dialogue, the narrative on the game in the last few years has been, you know, the elevation of, of the level at the top to the extent that you cannot afford to have a weakness. That used to be the case 10 or so years ago. Rosetsky, an example. Roddick, an example. Though I do think his, back, his backhand is better than Jack Sox's now. Well, he he improved his a lot, Generally Roddick. speaking, you can't afford to have a weakness. And yet here we've got Jack Sock with... As much as he has great weapons, he does have an enormous glaring weakness. Well, well, he and does, he's not the fittest guy on but, tour But either. let's not forget Sam Stosa won the US Open with no backhand really to speak of and used to be able to dominate with a kick serve and a massive forehand and great athleticism. Um, used to. Well, she did it in 2010. She won the US Open. But she was extraordinarily fit. She, she was. I would say, though, about Sock, there is a ceiling to what he can do. I don't see him winning a slam. I don't, I don't see that. I mean, Jim Courier was world number one with two slams in a year, two years in a row, with a massive forehand, a good serve, great yeah, fitness. Yeah, my dad calls him the worst player ever to be number well, one. I, <laughs> Sorry, I, I Jim. I think that's harsh. Those are David Whitaker's words, I mean, he, not he, mine. he won multiple Grand Slam titles. And, you know, so I, I wouldn't agree with him there. I mean, I don't think No, no, he was the great worst player ever to be number one. Yeah, but, but he, that's still, but he, that's, he, he you're, was, you're still in the top echelon. He was world number one there. with slams as well. Um, but well, I, so I think, you think Marcelo Rios was less good than Jim Courier? Yeah, I mean, Marcelo Rios had more racket ability than Jim Courier did, but he had worse everything else. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I completely accept that you're exposing the, the flaw in my argument, which is that's uh, that, that you, there, you can't. You can't objectively judge ability, but in an attempt to, I, I, I don't think his becoming a top eight, top ten player is because he has elevated himself to the level required. I think it's because the the bar has well, lowered. Look, he, he obviously and that, partially that's the nature of tennis, he partially you know? has elevated his level because he's there. That having been said, he wouldn't be there if three or four players above him hadn't had to end their year early. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, that's just mathematical facts. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. We're in agreement. Sort of. Nadal uh, did what he needed to do to guarantee himself the year-end number one and then withdrew for the tournament with knee That's a issues. shame and a concern, isn't it? Because we don't know how bad that is. He hasn't pulled out of the O2 yet, but I, I struggle to see how somebody who has obviously tried to wring out every last drop of potentially has physically to, to play in Paris last week and have to pull out in the head of the quarterfinals is going to be able to sort that out with a knee and be 100% and competing and contending is for that title next week. Is it 100% with Nadal anymore though with his knees? His, his, knee, his knees will never be 100%. I think he's been 100% most was, of the year, hasn't he? was he? playing without strapping last week he's though, looked, which he wasn't in Beijing, which I found interesting. He's looked 100% most of the year to me. Um, I, I but just, it doesn't mean he's playing without pain. No, he well, says he's always I mean, playing. He's, with he's pain. always talking about that, isn't he? But this is a this is a severe blow. And you felt really. for the tournament as well because I loved how 
how little they even attempted to cover up their devastation when Federer pulled out. They weren't happy with that, statement. Was, I, mean, look, I'm, I felt no, for him, but it really did make me laugh. Usually I, they put out sort of magnanimous statements saying, we completely understand the places. No, this one said, we're absolutely I really gutted. feel for, for the Paris tournament. I feel for Guy Forget, who we, we, we know from the Champions Tour, and who's a lovely fellow and, and really good at everything he does. But you also got to think, well, hold on, this guy's 36. This guy has put in well over a decade now of, of service. Two decades um, and and frankly, he can do what he wants. I'm, I'm I feel for them, but I'm not going to criticise Roger Federer. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's it's the canister again, isn't it? And I and I think fundamentally, he had it in his canister to play either Basel or Paris, and it's unfortunate for Paris that Basel is his home tournament. He any other player, a non-Swiss player, would favour the Masters event over the 500 in the preceding week but Basel's his home event he's going to play that tell you what it doesn't half make our end of season show in which we try to work out who is the player of the year interesting but doesn't why it? do we have to do that that's a meaningless try. title we have to debate that I'm sorry it's like it's like giving someone a I, I'm not in principle opposed to knighthoods we don't need to go delve too deep into my political beliefs but giving someone a knighthood for their achievements that doesn't enhance their achievements that's a sort of meaningless extra it's just an acknowledgement so who do you think player of the year then I, I think it's a meaningless meaningless title why do we have the awards at the end of the year do then? we have a, do yeah, we have we do, awards yeah. oh, absolutely <laughs> tennis podcasts awards are in the diary I, okay but we don't have to have... Well, you don't have to decide it now you All can right, decide okay. after the O2 but you need to have a decision alright Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello tennis podcast listeners david here now you might know that i love a bit of cooking and i think i'm quite good at it but if i'm honest even i get fed up trying to work out what to do every night that's where home chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times well that's pretty cool Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Shall we talk about Zuhai? Yeah, you can if you like. Zuhai, uh, the um, elite trophy, which is the sub the sub finals yeah. finals surely one of the worst conceived ideas that tennis has had in a while in terms of ordering tournaments of it's, hang on it's a, the tournament's a good idea the tournament's it's fantastic just a pointless place to put the, it the consolation prize if you didn't manage to get into the main one is what we're saying in terms of its chronology it, look it's a wonderfully organized event there were i saw some clips from the final there were great crowds i think yulia gergos was a fantastic champion she's won two tournaments in a row she's won nine matches in a row she won moscow i think she's one of the great stories the good news stories and feel-good stories of 2017 who's somebody who's had a really tough few years she went down to 50 70 in the world for the last three or four years having been top 20 in 2012 she's back there again she's having a best ever year right now she's a great news story Coco Vandewey who she beat in the final is a good news story so it's look it's just the wrong way around and Steve Simon knows it he desperately wanted to be able to reorder the tour and have it before uh, the the WTA finals because this makes no sense whatsoever it's like have the climax and the crescendo to the tour oh and then have this thing as well it just shows up though how just frustratingly difficult it is to make changes to a calendar the fact that you've got it's pretty much universally acknowledged including by the ceo of the tour that that tournament is in the wrong place in the calendar and yet you'd think yeah. that would all that be all that was necessary to go okay well let's move it calendars. and it, Quick it's question. pretty much impossible would you if you had the chance you've got two eight player draws there round robin both of them uh singapore then zuhai would you combine them have a 16 player draw and have knockout in preference no, I quite like the formats. I'd you like round robin? Uh, I, I like. Hang on, I like the two separate tournaments. I like. I like having the, the 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 runners up, the what you could have won, <laughs> and the. Uh, but you just do it the other way around. Um, Would you not like to see them sixteen knockouts. player knockout? I'd quite like to see knockout. Yeah, I do. Th- I do have issues with round robin. Yeah. Right then, so you do want it then. Could you not do knockouts with eight? You just wouldn't get enough matches, no, I guess. No, it's not going to work, hopefully. But 16 is slightly less of a reward, isn't it, for, you know, 16 qualify. You feel less special. Well, why, do you, why would you have yeah, the well, consolation Zuhai, prize tournament then? Well, no one's arguing that Zuhai is as, is as much of a prize as why Singapore. Have it then? Why not because have 16 player draw? Pri- that's like saying, why have ATP 250 events when you've got Grand Slams? No, but if you're calling it the Tour Finals, this big thing at the end of the year that all, everything leads to, why not have 1 to 16 playing off rather than, oh, 9 to 16 playing off? What's the point? Well, I, I don't. The point is, is it's just another exciting tournament, isn't it? It's, you know, why bother with anything except the Ryder Cup in golf? Because everything else is just less exciting, isn't it? Why bother? You're, you're, it's everybody, the whole thing off. You're just sort of you're witnessing, you're eavesdropping, or you're reading quietly what we sort of exchange messages about most of the week. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> um, just quickly before we talk about very quickly Andy Murray live. Just while we're on the subject of uh, women's tennis, uh, the tournament director of the Brisbane event, Jeff Quinlan. Um, said publicly this week that he's been in touch with Serena Williams' management and she, they have indicated that it is, quote, highly unlikely that she will play Brisbane. Now, that does not mean necessarily that she's not going to come back for the Australian Open, 
but I think it puts it into a bit more doubt than previously because I don't think she would play the Australian Open without a warm-up event given the duration of time she's been away and the nature of her being away um, and I think she'd be a lot more likely to play Brisbane than Hotman Cup because I think she'll want you know competitive matches under her belt so look her management company could just be being very uh, prudent with, with the facts and, and I can imagine that Serena will want her comeback to be spectacular and maybe an element of surprise to it and you know she never does the expected really does she so I don't think this is conclusive evidence but I do think it's just an extra tick in the box of maybe we won't see her in Australia I'm not sure that I would read much into it personally because I'm fairly sure and in fact I've just been proven right by looking it up that Serena Williams played Auckland last year she did, but she hated it. She, she did she, hate it, yes. She, she was, but look, I don't think they'd even have her the back. The thing is, look, <laughs> she, she was she, so outspoken about how much she have, hated it. She may not have finalised in her own mind yet what she's going to do, whether she's going to play the Australian Open yet or not. The, the great thing about being Serena Williams is she could probably ask half an hour before one of these tournaments starts for a wild card and she'd probably get it. Well, that's, that's why they're making the inquiries, isn't it? They're saying, shall we, do we, do we need to keep a wild card on one side for you or can we... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't want to read too much into it. I but think she's going to play the Australian Open. Do you? Yeah, David's yeah, got that gleeful little smile Come on his Serena. Face. I think you'll confuse it. You're doing that head not heart, heart not head thing that you put on Twitter all the time. Well, you've been reading my pole vaults. <laughs> they, are, they are thrust into my face by, by the joy you that is Twitter. could always unfollow the tennis podcast. Andy Murray live, David. Speaking of comebacks, I mean, this isn't a comeback. He, he, Andy Murray is scheduled to make his... Um, competitive comeback in January in Brisbane. Well, actually, did it start in December? Anyway, in the new year in Brisbane. Um, but we will get a glimpse of Andy Murray playing his annual, well, it's becoming annual now, um, charity exhibition event in Glasgow. This time around, he's playing Roger Federer. Um, it was a great event last year. He played Grigor Dimitrov and he and Jamie teamed up to play doubles. Tim Hemman wore a kilt for a portion of it. I think he's there again. Mansell Brahmi's apparently there. They're, they're taking the whole Champions Tour up there. <laughs> so, you know, can have that yeah, instead of anything It's got else. Mansell Brahmi written all over it, hasn't it? And inevitably, what's going to happen, all the... You're going up there, David, but all the journalists are trooping up there because they haven't had a chance to speak to Andy Murray in months and everything he says and does is going to be read into and we're inevitably going to see a million headlines about what fine fettle Andy Murray looked in and um, that's fine I completely understand it we all um, as British tennis journalists you know make a good living out of Andy Murray and reading millions of things into every single movement he makes however the fact is regardless of what we see from Andy Murray live we can't really look into any of it with any I, I think any certain we can't draw any real I conclusions. I think we can, can if he we? looks really ropey. Oh yeah, you maybe. Know? I mean, if he lo- if he looks like he's struggling, I think we'd be all a bit. But hang on a second, we have a lot of experience on the Champions Tour, David, and we know how when a player's ropey in an exhibition match, a chat is had before that exhibition match, um, so that both players are on the same page about that ropiness. Imagine if Federer and just we came know out. how good they are. At disguising, Imagine if Federer just ignored that and just went out and destroyed him, <laughs> which has happened on the Champions Tour. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember actually. Uh, I, I I was actually partly responsible for one of those once because uh, back in about 1999, I remember John McEnroe playing against Mansell Barami in a number of matches over a course of a number of weeks. He hates playing Mansell yeah, Barami. Yeah, and, and I said to I said to him, Do you know, I reckon Mansell. I mean, he's a talented guy, Mansell Barami. I, I think that if Barami played seriously, he could pr- he might even beat you one day, <laughs> right? And McEnroe got so irritated by this that he refused to play along and he went and beat Barami one and love. <laughs> and he, he came up and he says, you see, told you. Anyway. Oh, that is, I was going to tell a story about um, John McEnroe playing Goran Ivanisevic at a uh, Champions Tour event in Italy a few years ago when uh, Goran broke a string, only brought one racket with him, broke a string on that racket, so uh, ran out of rackets. John McEnroe refused to give him one of his rackets. Goran asked him for a spare racket to play with. John thought to himself, a win's a win, I could get the walk over here. <laughs> refused to give him a racket. Uh, Goran then ended up playing with a racket from the crowd that someone had brought along in hopes of getting signed. Um, and then because he was playing with a presumably rubbish racket, you know, with factory strings in probably, Goran started playing rubbish and McEnroe started killing him. Only for about two games, because obviously they're about 20 years apart in age and all the rest of it. But he was fist pumping left, right and centre and there's Goran stood there with basically sort of a child's racket. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Tales from the Champions Tour. We'll write a book one day, David. Indeed. Only (laughs) you and I'll read it, but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I'll read yours, you read Um, mine. I think that just about wraps up the tennis week. Anything else? No, I think think that does it. Has anyone staged any grotesquely misogynistic um, ceremonies whilst we've been recording? No, apart from me. You never know. You never know these days, but um, hopefully not. Uh, so we've been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the Telegraph when will we be back? When and with Eurosport, back? and we will be back after the draw for the World Tour Finals in London has been conducted. Now the draw ceremony takes place on Wednesday. I think we'll leave it a couple of days after that, perhaps until after the next gen finals have concluded on Friday. What an excellent idea! So we can look ahead to London and look back on Milan. So that's when you hear from us again. We've been the Tennis Podcast. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.